Hello, everybody. Uh, this is Christian Thwaites of Brown Janikowski. Thanks for joining us on our call. Um, so it's just me this time. Uh, Steve uh, wasn't able to make it this time around. And our, our discussion is how damaging are the trade tariffs with all of the news that we've been getting through over the last couple of weeks? And uh, how important is that to the market? And what's our outlook for it? So we'll be mostly staying on that uh, today. And normal format will stay for about 20 minutes, and I'll stop talking after about 10 to 12 minutes. And if there's any questions, we'll unmute the phone at that point and feel free to ask the questions live, you know, over the over the phone. So happy to take as many of those uh, as you would like answered. So let's um, let's just kind of start where where we are and what's been happening. So all of the discussion about trade tariffs, trade wars, um, started a couple of weeks ago when it was announced. Department of Commerce had done this uh, review of the steel and aluminum industry, and their conclusion was that this was an industry in need of protection in the U.S., and that they would impose or recommend that the president impose 20% tariff on, on, steel, on all steel imports and 15% on all aluminum uh, imports. And this was based, as I've mentioned in some of the blogs, on this rationale of national security. Now, most tariffs in the past have not exercised this clause. This is a rather obscure clause of a 1962 Trade Act, uh, which has very rarely been used. Normally, tariffs are imposed if a country is seen to be engaging in anti-competitive hate behavior and dumping and excess capacity and so on. So it's an unusual one for Department of Commerce to cite. Uh, so it kind of a little bit came out of the blue because also uh, these are telegraphed well in advance and the different agencies are usually coordinated. So Commerce would talk to Treasury, Treasury would talk to State and so on. Uh, and this didn't come out. So uh, for certainly for a lot of people, it was um, it was a bit of a surprise. Just as an idea of scale, what numbers are we talking about? Well, the, I think the germane numbers are that Steel, the U.S. steel industry imports about $3 billion a month of, of raw and processed steel, semi-processed steel, and it exports about $1.2 billion. So the quick math would tell you that there's about $36 billion of steel imports coming to the country, and a 20% across-the-board tariff would be about a $9 billion price increase. So uh, there was a first hit to the market. Uh, obviously, that hurt confidence. And we saw some price changes, which I'll come on to in a minute. Um, in the background, steel prices have been increasing anyway this year uh, through just higher demand and the fact that steel is a very cyclical product. It's not easy to bring new capacity on stream quickly. Uh, and generally, economic activity in Asia has been picking up and also in Europe. And so steel demand has gone up. So the actual spot price of steel was already on the way up. The day of the actual announcement, it didn't change very much, but uh, it, it is a commodity which has been doing pretty well uh, this year. Okay, so that was the first hit. And then uh, this isn't necessarily in, in exact chronological order, but um, the tariffs were announced, but the NAFTA countries of Mexico and Canada were exempted. They're about uh, probably a third maybe a little bit more of, uh, of total steel imports. So now it was going to fall on the next line of countries, there are Brazil, EU, South Korea. 
And interesting, not China. China is kind of a secondary play, player here. China does export a fair amount of its steel produce, but it doesn't export it directly to the US much anymore. So it's kind of a secondary effect for them. So those NAFTA countries have been exempted, um, which was definitely seen as good news, although I personally think those discussions are going to go to the NAFTA discussions, which are underway right now. Uh, the EU came back as they really had to uh, with a counter um, and announced that they would be, they would retaliate. And uh, I mentioned in one of the blogs a name that we should all know or get to know or watch is Cecilia Malmstrom, who is head of the EU Trade Commission, a very experienced uh, trade commissioner, was leading a lot of the uh, uh, negotiations done in the Obama uh, period when the US was a, was a kind of a European counterpart to TPP going on in 2016. She was the leader lead on that and very good and very able. And um, so the first initial uh, counteracts were <laughs> not surprisingly that uh, the EU would look at imports of motorcycles. Uh, now the US does not make a lot of motorcycles. They're a very small player. And the only uh, two, in, two motorcycle manufacturers in the United States are Harley Davidson and Indian, which is a subsidiary of, uh, of, um, of Bombardier, which is a Canadian company. Uh, and they also announced the EU import duties on bourbon. Now, it's no accident, of course, that Ali Davidson is headquartered in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which is the home district of Paul Ryan. And bourbon is a main produce of the home district of uh, Mitch McConnell. So, the, so they obviously uh, view that as, as, a, as a pinpoint strike to try and get the retaliation uh, noticed by some of the Republican key players. Um, the next step was uh, last week where uh, the president announced that some friends, quote, may be exempt. So that it would hopefully be the EU and other countries which are considered close allies uh, of the United States. And uh, then, <laughs> I'm getting this slightly out of order, but the, uh, the US or certainly the president countered that they would look at import duties on European cars. Uh, and I think that was a direct retaliation, sort of tit for tat for what's, what, what the uh, first reaction was, the steal from the, from the EU. So stepping back a little bit, um, what was the initial reaction? Well, uh, we, the US steel companies, which is not a big industry, there's about 70,000 people employed directly by steel, probably another 40,000 indirectly. Indirectly means sort of secondary processing industries. So the big steel companies like Nucor, US Steel, Reliance uh, have about a 40 to $50 billion market cap. Uh, and uh, uh, by the way, that, that number is about what Netflix added to its market cap in the last couple of months. But anyway, the US, US steel companies were up 16%. And as I mentioned in the blog last week, steel companies, US steel companies have been a very good investment the last uh, 10 years or so, uh, they're, very, they're very efficient and they've done, done very well as stock prices. On the other side, uh, the German companies, so Audi, Daimler, Volkswagen, BMW, those are the likely ones to get hit if there's any retaliation of EU, EU cars. Uh, car manufacturers in the UK and, and France and Italy are relatively small volume producers. But those stock prices were all down 20%. And then in Japan, we saw uh, Kobe Steel down 20%, but Kobe Steel's were its own problems, and Japanese Steel down flat. So as far as the stock market was concerned, I think the biggest price action was in the 
German car companies and also with some of the exporting sectors of the EU generally. So stepping back from this, oh, and the latest breaking point, I think this is all very much tied up to this, is today's announcement by the president that uh, the, the takeover of Qualcomm by Broadcom, uh, two very similarly named companies, uh, would be prevented. And I think that's, we'll discuss that in a minute, a direct result of uh, trying to retaliate against China uh, intellectual property uh, tariffs. So that's that's another breaking piece of news, which I think has surprised a lot of people. So again, try to step back from this. There's no doubt that anything to do with trade wars and reciprocity, tit for tat, um, one move against another can sound extremely bellicose and threatening. But generally, I think this has been more noise and fury than action. That's certainly been the trademarks of the administration. Um, there is always a concern that they mean it, but things have moved on. And obviously today we're looking at the Tillerson resignation and since then we've had North Korea. So I think the general reaction to the market is yes, to be concerned, but it doesn't seem to be day to day. Now it might be waiting and, uh, and, and, and reacting badly in the coming weeks if there's more news and more headlines that people find uh, difficult. But, so, but, but for now, certainly it just seems to be overtaken by other events, although I think it's going to continue to run as a story for a while. So where are we now? Well, let me kind of give you the, what I consider sort of like three or four okay points and then two or three negative points. So I think on the okay side, we know that the pro-trade business lobby and we know that the pro-trade Republican uh, constituents are lobbying hard not to have this thing escalated. The Republicans have been typically free trade or lax uh, regulatory trade advocates for, for decades. So I think this is uh, coming back to some of their core beliefs. And I'm sure some of the pro-trade business lobbies are coming in hard, whether it's the big steel producers like Caterpillar, Ford, Boeing uh, or a bunch of others who are going to be looking at uh, trying to get some of these decisions reversed or muted. And today, very interesting, we saw not, not, a, not an institution that you would normally know about or have to pay much attention to, but the American Soybean Association uh, it came in hard and said, you know, essentially, please don't escalate these trade wars. The China market is of vital importance to the U.S. soybean industry, 60% of U.S. Production goes to China. It's the only country which uh, which the U.S. exports soybean to in bulk. And interestingly, uh, U.S. soybean exports are about $12 billion a year, and U.S. steel exports are also about $12 billion a year. So almost match dollar for dollar in terms of volume and importance to the economy. And needless to say, uh, the U.S. runs a massive surplus in uh, in a lot of agricultural goods and certainly in soybean. So there's more of these in a trade pro-trade business lobbies trying to get a hearing and probably getting a very good hearing um, to prevent this from moving too far. That's on the plus side, but on the negative side, in the background, the administration has talked a lot about imposing tariffs or punitive measures on China, particularly as it relates to uh, intellectual property. And this is rather hawkish guy called Robert Leitziger, Electiger, uh, who has uh, been a strong advocate of, of taking the sort of 
China war to the next level, China trade war to the next level, and that's obviously the legacy of the kind of ban on thinking. And so this, uh, I think this block of Qualcomm uh, takeover is a direct result of that. Although it's a Singapore company that was going to move a lot of its operations back to the US, um, there's a concern that some of that technology leakage and leadership in 5G technology would 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 move over to China and in the and the and, and the rationale behind it was it was a, a strategic industry. Um, so that's a kind of a negative side. We've got to kind of wait to see that. And obviously, if trade starts hitting with China, that's a $630 billion bilateral trade uh, agreement out of a $2.2 trillion uh, total export-import um, economy. So that will be very, very important. And the initial market reaction so far has been for you know, open economies with trade surpluses. That's mostly the EU and particularly Germany to be hit relatively hard. Um, so we'll now kind of be in this uh, in this phase where we're worried about retaliation. I think the biggest ones is more retaliation by the EU. Apparently, they've got a list. I can well believe it of over a hundred U.S. goods targeted for retaliation, and I think the targeted retaliation is hitting every sensitive or um, marginal Republican seat uh, in the country. Um, the other one is certainly China uh, will, you know, could 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 look to respond, uh, and there and there could be reciprocal trade sanctions on agriculture uh, or transportation equipment. So those are the two areas where I'd be quite concerned about retaliation. So certainly Mexico and Canada for now have gone quiet. Okay, so uh, what does this mean for for, for markets? Well, generally, uh, the, the stock market has been in this pretty much sideways movements since the big February correction. As we mentioned, we've recaptured a lot of those, a lot of those uh, um, falls. The market was down 10% at one point, it's now up 6% from its, from its low. Um, we've seen increased volatility and we expect that to continue. On the treasury side, very important, the 10-year treasury rate, we're seeing the market absorb increased supply very well. There were some very important auctions yesterday and today for the 10-year and the 30-year. And I think the market has taken in its stride the fact that there's likely to be four Fed increases, four Fed, uh, federal funds increases in 2018 rather than three, which was would be the, the thinking uh, a few months ago. But I think all that's down to the fact that the economy is doing better as opposed to a fear that inflation is about to take off or there's other ne you know, big negative uh, um, reasons why why rates might go up. So the the, uh, the Treasury market has, I think, behaved very well under those circumstances, and we still seem to be in that 290, 285 to 3% range for 10 years, which we think is a very good, uh, a very good entry point. Uh, Thirdly, a big uh, casualty of anything to do with the trade is going to be the dollar. The dollar's been on a downward drift for 18 months right now. It, it seems every time it takes a breath, it ticks on down lower. Um, and that's, while it might help U.S. competitiveness a little bit, I think it's more a portfolio shift, which has been going on for a while now. And we're certainly you know, not, not very bullish or, or confident that the, the dollar is going to regain any of its past strength anytime soon. And that makes some of the overseas investments uh, particularly attractive. So what are we doing for the portfolios? We continue to like the emerging market international. That might seem contradictory in light of the trade concerns, but 
They've also got their own economies, which are moving quite well, and they do trade with each other, not just the US. Uh, we continue to be big advocates of high-quality bonds. We think the high-yield market is very, very uh, overpriced, and uh, I think US credit has been brought down to very, very uh, low spreads, and, and uh, we certainly would stay with the high-quality bonds, particularly the Treasuries. We've been reducing our real estate exposure, primarily because of interest rate play, and on the equity side, uh, continuing to be in sort of very high quality equities as much as we can, uh, especially on the small cap side. So if we continue to wait and see what happens, um, and I think this trade issue will, will be in the background for a while because it gets a lot of attention, gets a lot of noise, and there's not a single voice there. But you know, for now, we don't seem to be on any route which is going to take us right down the path of the smooth Hawley tariffs of the 1930s. I'll stop there. And we'll unmute the uh, phones, and uh, and please feel free to uh, to to ask a question over the phone. Um, happy to stay as as long as people need. Yes, you might have to unmute your own phone, whatever the uh, lock is in the normal sort of uh, mute command on your phone. Uh, we're, we're unmuting it our side so people can certainly feel free to talk. Okay. All right. Well, I, I think we have no questions. Hopefully, I've uh, covered things and not been too uh, added more confusion. Um, but we'll continue to write about this on the blog, and uh, it's obviously going to be front uh, and center of mind for a while yet. But I think that the bottom line is that uh, they they can be quite damaging the trade wars, but we don't seem to be you know quite at that stage yet. Everybody, thank you very much. This is Christian Thwaites signing off, and I'll just read the disclosure for those of you that would like to hear that. Please note the information provided in this presentation is for general information purposes only. It should not be considered individualized recommendation or personalized investment advice. The investment strategy discussed in this presentation may not be suitable for everyone. Each investor needs to review an investment strategy for his or her own particular situation before making an investment decision. All expressions of opinion on the subject change without notice and reaction to shifting market or economic conditions, past performance, no guarantee of future results, and the opinions represented cannot be viewed as an indicator of future performance.